Hello and welcome to Money Life. This is Sucheta Dilal. This week, we're going to discuss another aspect of the expert committee that was set up by the Supreme Court on this whole Adani Hindenburg saga. Sure, all of you who invest in the market are interested. So we're not going to talk about the Adani stocks and what it said about it. We've already discussed it at length last time. I want to flag the recommendations of the committee on capital market, investments, disclosures, which are outside of the whole Adani stocks, whether it's manipulation or not, or clean shit issue, right? And it's important. It's important to all of us. The point that I want to make this time is something that really surprised me. When I started looking at, I mean, none of us were interested in the other recommendations of this committee, right? Because it was primarily for the Adani stock prices going up, the Hindenburg report, the crash, the volatility. So we discussed it at length, we focused on it. Then we started looking at the other recommendations. And here's what I find. The committee says that disclosures made by companies are so onerous, they are bombarding us investors, and so it wants a dilution of norms for corporate India. I completely disagree, and I'm going to explain why, right? So we're not going to talk about this legal case about a clean chit as Adani themselves have called it, for them. We are going to talk about corporate disclosures by listed entities, which I believe is on the false ground that there is a surfeit of disclosures into inverted commas, their words, which are being loaded onto us in, as investors. There's so much of data and noise that real content necessary to make an informed decision may be lost. Now, when I read the sentence, I completely agree with it. But surprise, surprise, not the context. The context in which the committee is talking about us being bombarded is completely different from what is actually happening to us. And you need to listen to this carefully. Now, investors are indeed being bombarded. Repetitive information. For instance, you do a trade, you get information from your broker. Very good. Then you get your information from the exchange. If the trade happened on the other exchange, you'll get it from that exchange as well, the depository, then it comes by email, it comes by text. So you finally are doing some other job, maybe a doctor, an engineer, I'm a journalist, I'm not watching my WhatsApp or, or rather text messages and emails all the time for these trades, right? So you stop looking. I'm going to come to that later. Now, we're going to look at what the expert committee has said on the issues of FBI disclosures, because it's all related. Disclosures being the issue that we're going to discuss today. So when it came to disclosures by foreign portfolio investors, the committee said SEBI is barking up the wrong tree because SEBI needed ultimate economic beneficiaries to be disclosed until 2014. Then in 2018, SEBI diluted its own rules. It removed an important clause with regard to OPEC structures, which had to be disclosed. So once this clause was dropped, it stops at ultimate beneficial ownership as declared by the foreign portfolio investors. So now in this Adani research, what happens? Hindenburg pointed out that 13 foreign portfolio investors had primarily invested in Adani stocks. These 13 again had 42 beneficial owners. Who are these beneficial owners? Were they related to the Adani group? We don't know. We've drawn a blank because once this opaque structures has been dropped, 
the committee makes a legal argument for why they don't need to disclose anymore because SEBI, you have changed your rules and they are now well within their rights to disclose this much and no more. How and why the SEBI rules were changed? How was this committee set up? All this is a different issue. In fact, it is something which if we had a strong opposition, they would have asked these questions and said, who first asked for this dilution? Who felt so sorry for foreign portfolio investors? How was this committee set up under deputy governor of the RBI? So distance from SEBI. Changes were put out in the public domain. The report was put out. Specifically, RBI and investigation agencies were asked to respond. Their responses were put. So a lot of homework to dot the I's, cross the T's, so that nothing comes back to SEBI as helping dilute these norms. And nobody even noticed it because we are not foreign investors. We don't know when one clause is quietly changed to insert a loophole, we don't know. But when you do a Google search on OPEC structures, you will see that every top consulting firm and top lawyers who deals with these foreign portfolio investors had rushed out with a note pointing out this momentous change. Not in so many words. So like I said, we didn't realize it. So. SEBI now, as of last night, in a sudden development, has put out yet another consultation paper, which may mitigate the effect of this mistake of, yes, it is a mistake of 2014, because here's an expert committee now saying, hey, you changed the rules, you diluted it, and things are quietly happening behind the scenes. I'm sure it goes back to the finance ministry as well. So before any of us can file RTI questions or you know, be asked in parliament, things are being changed. Big elephant has gone through that loophole, but now we'll change the rules. Now come back to the whole issue of disclosures and surfeit of information that this committee talks about. So the committee's view on disclosures is that companies have to make tremendous amount of disclosures at two times when they're about to get listed. And then on an ongoing basis, quarter after quarter, results, board meetings, and all that. According to the committee, and I quote, there's an urgent need to introspect and take a hard look at whether there's a surfeit of disclosures that loads and burdens the investors with so much data and noise that the real content necessary to make an informed decision may be lost. Like I said, I agree with the point, not in this context. We do not want companies to be let off. The report quotes data provided by SEBI to empirically de demonstrate that annual disclosures in India are far wider and more expansive than in the US. This, according to the committee, leads to noise and clutter that makes it burdensome and difficult for the investor to get to core messaging that is required. Now, anytime you have an issue, SEBI's new way is to compare it with America. Sorry, you have to compare like and like not apples and oranges. You want to compare with the US, let everything be like the US. Now, as you know, we in Money Life run Money Life Foundation, an NGO. So we have access to angry investors, their complaints, whether they're burdened, bludgeoned with repeated information or not. We have not found in the 13 years of our existence any complaints about excessive corporate disclosures. No investor has a problem with that. Yes, it is true that investors do not read hundreds of pages, those fat offer documents. They don't read them. 
Lots of things used to be hidden over a period of time because of activism, because of complaints that has been mitigated. So just as today credit cards have to tell you the important factors on the front page, a prospectus has to give you, an offer document has to list important information and risk factors right on the cover page. Then there is a detailed summary that is five to seven pages on promoters, their background, contracts, related party transactions, company performance, and what have you. Now, if you're a fairly discerning investor, you will read at least that. Don't forget, most investors also have advisors. They pay for the advice. So they're getting information from their brokers who have research departments, whose job it is to analyze this. So yeah, they may not read it, but they're not being bludgeoned, for God's sake. They get the information they want before they decide whether they want to invest in a company or invest in an IPO. So no need for this committee to have such a bleeding heart on behalf of corporates, okay? Now there are two kinds of investors. There are serious long-term investors who do their homework. And then there's a large body of day traders. The committee talks about day traders. It talks about how their numbers have increased. Now, the, these day traders are not bothered about corporate disclosure. So again, it's not a burden on them. So committee, no need for bleeding heart. On the other hand, diligent investors want every bit of information that a company discloses. In fact, more than what they're disclosing today. These are investors who take a long-term perspective. They do deep research. And I'm not even talking about the privileged ones who are like the mutual fund analysts or the big broker analysts. These are ordinary people who spend their own money, go to corporate AGMs at their own cost, ask questions, deep dive into corporate announcements, attend every con call after a result, compile detailed analysis, and they share this in groups online. The expert committee, as well as SEBI, ought to know this if you don't find out about them. This is the positive thing that's happening in the market. This information is free. And many discerning investors who want an independent view go and follow these groups. So they're not all bad. There is a lot of good stuff happening. So the committee's recommendations will end up with these people not getting the information they need. They may be a minority, but when they put out their information on the net, a lot more people have access to it when they want it. So again, no issue with bombarding for this committee to worry about. In fact, recommending a reduction of information disclosed by companies is a disservice to investors because it would be no better than this 2018 amendment that created a loophole. In fact, it harks back to the time when, I don't know how many of you remember, but Corporate India had merrily lobbied and said, nobody reads annual reports. Why are we sending them detailed annual reports? We will send a crappy abridged annual report. Led to a lot of noise because serious people stopped getting information. And as a corrective now, all announcements have to be informed to stock exchanges within a matter of minutes. Annual reports have to be given to both exchanges. They're available online and they're available on company websites. So the pendulum has swung back. It was hard fought. We don't need an expert committee appointed by the Supreme Court to dilute this. And it's frankly none of their business. I don't even know why they've got into it. Now let's look at their comparison with US companies, apparently based on data provided by SEBI. I'll give you just one example to show you why this is so off the bank. Okay. So 
Indian investors as well as US investors had invested in Satyam computers. You remember Satyam computers, which collapsed one fine morning when Ramalinga Raju, the founder, put out a letter which confessed that he had been cooking his books for years and there were no profits, just dived. Now, US investors filed a class action suit. They had access to lawyers who charge contingency fees, so they didn't have to waste more good money after having lost money. They won their case in the US because Satyam was listed in the US markets and they got compensated in less than two years. A new company that took over Satyam had to compensate US investors. Indian investors got nothing in spite of Midas Touch Investors Association attempting a similar class action here. We do not have class action. We do not have lawyers who will charge contingency fees, especially to investors. Our legal processes are extremely slow and often a hostage to influential lawyers. And this committee, more than any, with three legal experts, at least ought to have known that, known that very well. So excess disclosures in this case is not a problem. Bludgeoning us with repeated information of the same thing is a problem, and I'm going to come to that later. So to add to this, this committee also says grievance redress is poor. I'm not even, you know, legal system is one part. Grievance redress by the regulator is poor. They say it has to be improved. Then why this false logic that investors are burdened by a surfeit of information from companies? Excuse me, companies don't even give you information. They set up corporate governance committees, which do more checkboxes. But do you ever know what happened? Why a large group kicks out its chairman and what went on behind it? No, we don't get enough information from corporate India, listed corporate companies. Okay. Now let's talk about the friction of frequent regulatory changes. In fact, this is an issue that the committee should have paid attention to. Do you know that SEBI has been coming up with new consultation papers at such a ferocious pace. Each time there's a consultation paper, there are changes in rules and regulations. This committee and its members ought to have known this. You want to know the numbers? SEBI issued as many as 40 consultation papers, including the one last night. In just the first five months of 2023, of these 16 were issued in a 10-day window from 12th May to 31st May. Now, these translate afterwards into rules, right? They're not consultation papers because SEBI has nothing else to do and its employees are sitting idle. In fact, they are spending all their time on these consultation papers when they should have been investigating Adani. There, they go back to the Supreme Court and say, three months is not enough, give us six months more. But consultation papers are coming out with absolute ferocity. Apart from the consultation papers, obviously, translate to circulars. So SEBI has issued 67 circulars since Jan this year, one almost every alternate day. And if you're on Twitter, you will see people lamenting about it. 14 circulars in March, 12 in April, 11 in May, and counting nine changes to its master circulars. This deluge of ever-changing rules is so overwhelming that smaller intermediaries have decided we just cannot cope with it. And they've given up their licenses to operate as brokers and financial advisors. And when smaller intermediaries go away, we investors are at the mercy of large advisors who are banks who rarely have our interests at heart. You, 
no longer have access to genuine small advisors who may remain with you for the rest of your life, who probably advised your father, who are going to advise you, who are going to advise your children. That is coming to an end because of this deluge and compliance, because everything is online. You need an outside vendor to come up with software changes. It is irritating. But no, the expert committee hasn't even noticed it. Don't ask me why. Instead, their heart is bleeding for corporates. The other point I was I had made earlier is how the same information on your trades comes from the broker, the exchange, the depositories, then every quarter, even from your registrar. What happens when you're getting the same message over and over again? You stop reading. Why not send it through one source? You don't trust the broker, send it to the depository. Depository works with the exchange. Let it be coordinated. Send me one message. Now, if I trade 10 times a day, I'm supposed to get 10 messages. Don't send me 30 messages because I may be a doctor, an engineer, a journalist. I'm not going to spend time looking at my text and I, my emails constantly keep verifying. That is bludgeoning me. So when the committee talked about it, I thought this is something that they have finally paid attention to. Look at this image that I'm showing you about the number of discussion papers that SEBI has been putting out. So, you know, the committee doesn't stop at this. They're talking about other issues, enforcement proceedings. They say these have skyrocketed in 21-22 to over 7,000. They talk about the need for a detailed study, a coherent policy, clearly articulated settlement process, and settlements work around the world. In fact, we were very pro-settlement. You know, I've been covering the market for 35 years. So when this idea of settlement came, when we knew how slow the judiciary were, was, we were all for it. But what does SEBI do? The settlement does not disclose what you're accused of. So I have some gobbledygook of sections. I don't know how deep the damage is. There is what they call financial injury inflict. So this settlement money that you pay whether you call it a fine or settlement amount, is described as financial injury. And they say that this injury should be commensurate with the violation. Now, since SEBI does not give us details, they don't think that we are brainy enough to understand the extent of violation and what should be the punishment, or they want room to manipulate. We have no idea why someone is paying 2 lakhs, someone is paying a crore, why that crore, when it goes to appellate, comes down to 5 lakhs. There is no policy. And... This committee had lawyers who argued for these people to bring down those punishments and get away from them. They had people in the appellate body. They had Supreme Court judges. Who will spell out this policy? There should be judicial discipline. There should be internal separation of quasi-judicial functions from investigation. Great suggestions. There should be financial redress. Again, suggested by committee. We like it. But in the process of articulation, just as they did in 2018 when they created a loophole, or when it's happening now where your heart is bleeding for corporates instead of bleeding for investors, the devil is in the detail. And a badly worded policy, which does not force transparency on settlements, this committee doesn't say anything about it. This committee, we have done a discussion paper with law interns, you know, helped by a senior securities lawyer, which talked about how there is no rationale between why someone is fined five lakhs, why someone is fined one crore, why these things are reduced at appellate and sometimes thrown out at the Supreme Court. The committee doesn't get into any of this at all. It only talks about let's have more settlements, 
because there are too many cases. It's not so simple. It's not so easy. We know that it doesn't work because the minute you allow settlements, it can't be universally that everybody commits a violation, throws some money at SEBI, financial injury, they call it, and walks away. Can we forget the fact that something as serious and huge and egregious as a co-location scam at the National Stock Exchange was sought to be buried with a settlement? And they were actually doing it. While the rules very clearly says that something with market-wide implications cannot be settled with a settlement. So, yes, there is a committee came up with a legal case to let off Adani, and then a lot of suggestions. Each of them need to be monitored with a tooth comb. It is not so simple. We don't agree with everything that they say. Moreover, SEBI's weak order, shoddy investigation has not even ensured that something like a co-location scam is quantified. So let's not push everything into settlements either. Let's be clear about the rules because loopholes are engineered by the kind of people that SEBI now has on committees. Remember for the last 10 years, SEBI no longer has investor representatives on any of its committees, no primary market committee. It has proxy advisors. Proxy advisors get their fees from corporate India. Most of this committee is corporate India. That's why I'm bleeding hard for corporate India. Investor representation, zero. So wake up, investors. Things are not necessarily happening for your benefit. If you agree, share this video. Make your voice heard. Thank you.